Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live in Moses Lake. I am back in Moses Lake. I'm super excited to have Rob Hazelwood on. I actually saw him either on TikTok or on Instagram. I'm not sure which one first. And he is a professional water skier and a type 1 diabetic. So we are going to discuss the challenges that he has and how he has overcome um, type 1 diabetes and become a, um, a world-class athlete. So, um, Rob, welcome to our show. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit about your history. We are talking about, about it. Um, you don't really have a home. You're kind of from England, but because you're a professional <laughs> water skier, you, you go wherever the water is, right? So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm, I was born in England, based in England, and I still my home is obviously um, England. Um, I I live on a beautiful a beautiful water ski kind of facility in England with my family, but yeah, kind of at the minute I'm I'm 22, just really trying to kind of trying to pursue this uh, sport as a as a career and kind of see where I can get with it. Um, and yeah, just pretty much wherever the warmish water is and wherever wherever they'll they'll let me ski, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So yeah, it's um. Kind of I, home is where the lake is kind of thing is, I guess, what you could say. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're living your dream, and I'm super happy for you, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, so it's fun. Tell no, us. It's something I was dreamed of. Yeah, so tell us. Um, actually, episode number one of Health Solutions, um, our podcast, uh, was back in October of 2019, and we actually featured um, my twin brother who has a type 1 diabetic son. And at the time, he was a high school wrestler and very competitive. Um, and it was nice to showcase how, you know, type 1 diabetes, it's not that it's not a challenge, but, it, you know, you can definitely, especially with today's technology and such, you can definitely still be a competitive athlete and have type 1 diabetes. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's Nowadays, it's, it's, it is obviously a lot more effort. There's a lot more kind of, um, there's a lot more stress and, and different requirements to someone who doesn't have type 1 diabetes. Um, but yeah, it's 100% possible to, to do any sport to, to the highest level. You just have to take a little bit more care and attention onto some stuff that, um, that other people don't. And it's just the one thing I've always said with diabetes, it, it's great. You can, you can eat anything. You can, there's no, um, there's no crazy, like if you have a peanut allergy, say, or um, you have to be checking ingredients, stressing about all that. It's, it's kind of easygoing in some ways, but also I know that I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. Four or five meals a day, I need to be injecting, watching my sugars all the way in between. So it is, it's a constant full on pressure compared to like, say, an allergy. But um, but it can be a little bit easier sometimes. But yeah, getting getting those numbers in the right range and keeping them there uh, can be a challenge. But definitely doesn't stop you from being an athlete if if that's kind of what your passion is. Yeah. Now, so tell us. You you mentioned something um, about you can eat anything you want. So I'm yeah. assuming Rob being a yeah. competitive athlete. Yeah. And you really don't eat anything and everything you want. Is that right? Can you can you clear that up? It depends. Um, I mean, and it depends on what kind of what kind of situation you're in. Obviously, we're coming out of off season now. I probably ate a little bit more of, of what you what you want to do. But I mean, out of I trained as a chef, which is one thing that was that's kind of what my um, 
that's what my training was in. I did three years of um, culinary college, uh, essentially. Um, so, so I love food. I absolutely love food. My family loves food. So I get really kind of into that. And as an athlete, that doesn't mean that you all of a sudden stop eating food. It doesn't mean that you stop enjoying food. It means that in certain parts of the season, you have to optimize what you're eating, make sure you're eating the right things. And, and for me as a skier, it's very weight based. We're, we're on top of water. The heavier you are, the more you're going to sink. So it's, it's not like a lot of sports where maybe the heavier you are, the, 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 there's not massive effects other than health and fitness. Whereas in skiing, literally the weight is if you are two kilos heavier, you are sinking, you're two more kilos on your ski, you're sinking more, you're, everything is different, if that makes sense. Um, so, so the weight is kind of the biggest aspect. And then ideally, obviously, you have the health and the feeling and, the, and, and how, what you're feeding your body and fueling your body in there but um yeah I, I like to think that i try to keep especially mid-season i try to keep a healthy diet kind of but the, my main goal for me is protein hitting my protein goals that one stabilizes my sugars and makes life a lot easier on that front um and i feel so much better when i kind of hit the hit the protein goals but every now and then you got to treat yourself with an ice cream or or um or something that that takes your fancy but you can't just because i'm an athlete that doesn't mean that all of a sudden all food is off bounds it means you just have to prioritize for different parts of the season and make sure that you're treating your treating your body a little more right than than most people absolutely i i, I love that concept because we yeah. we can't be in peak form year round no. right and it, as well, it's right. uh, it's especially the ski season now. I mean, last season started, the first tournament was May 1st. The last tournament was uh, November 5th. So that's uh, last year was a, it was kind of this is, the sports really kind of picking back up with the with the with the events, especially after COVID kind of there's been a ton of new sponsors that wanted to kind of branch out and, and put on these events. So again, this season, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same length, but even fuller. I think the whole season, there's maybe two, three weekends off. Um, so the mental kind of strain of that in itself is, is absolutely insane. And I think one place where my sport is very, very different from say basketballers or footballers, footballers have their body to look after and they have their skills. Whereas in skiing, you have your body to look after, you have your skills and balance, but you also have a, a piece of equipment that you're, that you're designing, mm -hmm. controlling. And it's so so I don't know how much you know about skiing, but in Salem we have a fin, we have a ski, and we move the we move the fin by thousandths of an inch, and yeah. five thousandths of an inch is a big difference, a massive, massive difference. So um, there's so many variables to kind of keep on top of. Maybe your ski breaks, or maybe something happens to your ski, and you've got to dial that in. But you've got a tournament, then you've got to go, you've got to fly. There's not a crazy amount of money in the spot right now, so there's also that kind of. Um, mental kind of stress going on there so if you're on top of that completely eating nothing that you enjoy and miserable there and doing all that you sometimes need to hit that off season take a little bit of a break and um and, and let yourself kind of de-stress from that and for me unfortunately i love food and food helps with that but um i know recently i don't know there's that paddy the baddie guy in ufc and he he's a ufc fighter where obviously weight is super 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 important but he gets cuts down to his weight, finishes his fight, and then just blows up like 50 pounds. Not the healthiest thing in the world. Right, but, right, uh, it, right. It can be, it, sometimes um, Sometimes it's tough as an athlete to be able to kind of dial that in. And that's one of the things I struggle with, but I'm kind of learning how to dial in and really kind of make sure that nutrition is right and the weight is right for the season. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, you, you, there's an off season and an on season and time when you have to be strict. 
I think yeah. probably gaining 50 pounds in the off season is probably a little bit probably overkill. Yeah. I mean, believe me, I could definitely do it. I mean, I'm a mountain yeah. bike racer and I could definitely so gain 50 pounds yeah. in the off season if yeah. I wanted to. So I have to definitely be careful yeah. all the time. That was, yeah, that was but, a little extreme of an example, but yeah, for sure. And thank you for that. Um, so let's, let's go back to food. So, mm-hmm. I know traditionally, and I don't know how you were trained as a type one diabetic, mm-hmm. um, but I, me being a pharmacist, I'm in the healthcare field, yeah. and I will tell you that I've learned a lot over the last twenty five years about um, you know diabetes and um, diets and and how we treat diabetes and whether it be type yeah. two or type one. Because in reality, I know you know, we want to argue about it in the healthcare system about type one and type two diabetes are, are way different. They need to be treated different. And, and, I, and I get that. They, they, they definitely do, but still both of them at, at the heart is a carbohydrate metabolism problem. Now, mm-hmm. one of them type one diabetes diabetics don't make enough insulin and type don't two diabetics any. just aren't sensitive to insulin. Yeah. So, so either way, it's a carbohydrate metabolism problem because yeah. diet because diet or um, insulin is what helps uptake glucose or carbohydrates out of the blood mm-hmm. into the system. So um, speak of you about talked about, you know, eating your protein goals. Now, I, mm-hmm. I know when I was a pharmacist, when I was in pharmacy school 20 some years ago, they would talk about how important carbohydrates are to type two diabetics or type one mm-hmm. diabetics and yeah. how 80% of their food should be carbohydrates. Now, I think we've changed that a little bit over the last few years. And I know athletes like yourself have really changed that because you know, that's probably not the best. So tell us about your protein goals, your carbohydrate goals, goals, your macros, do you track macros, all that stuff. I mean, for me personally, um, the way that I've always have been explained it and the way that I have understood it, type one is is you have no insulin. The, the simplest, maybe there's some floating around there, but in the simplest, most easiest way to understand, I was always taught there was no insulin there. So you have um, you have nothing to you have nothing to go. If I eat ten grams of carbs, which is a tiny amount of carbs, it's like half a packet of half a packet of chips. Um, if I eat that, I my blood sugars are going to go up way above optimal levels so it's not like the kind of the little the little bits here and there they get kind of sucked up by the insulin and obviously exercise and diet and all that thing do do help a lot with type 1 diabetes but for me what i found in terms of um especially when i started really kind of dialing in my macros and started tracking mainly my my calories and my my protein were the two things i really tried to dial in on um if i was overeating so not specifically what i was eating but if i was overeating i found it really hard to to keep control so obviously i was trying to eat a clean diet of mainly kind of um i like to think of the simplest way for me to attack a diet is simple foods kind of making sure that nothing not too much is out of a packet um which doesn't really matter in terms of weight loss or or health goals but it's an easy way for me to track it in my mind if i'm eating kind of that that rice um pastas um kind of just basic meats with some little seasonings and sauces on there my blood sugars get so much easier to control and I end up um, and I end up having to inject a lot less. And that's the biggest thing for me. I kind of have this thing where I enjoy eating a lot of food. And uh, like if I go to an all you can eat buffet, whew, it's not good. But um, but I find that the biggest thing for me when I really started to, to try to lose weight or try to control my weight and feel healthy um, 
that just eating less food. I don't really like to split. I like to keep my diet simple and I like to keep the way that I think about health and weight loss and weight, keeping it um, level of simple. I think carbs and, and fats, I think if you're at a certain point where you've kind of really dialed in every single part of your life, your sleep, your hydration, um, the, the, you're hitting your calorie goal, first of all, I think is the most important. You're then starting to look at your protein goal. You're getting all of that dialed in. You're not doing anything else bad. You're not kind of overdoing caffeine. You're not smoking. You're not doing drugs, anything along those lines. Then you can maybe start looking at those other macros. Maybe the carbs obviously helps and the, and the fats obviously helps. But for me, as in a small sport with guidance in my nutrition, but I don't have a full-time nutritionist on hand um, and I have a life that I want to enjoy and I want to live, I first of all look at calories. If I'm going right, I'm going on a, a diet, bad word at the minute, but say I'm going to go right, I have my next tournament is in two weeks. I need to lose, uh, I need to lose six pounds. I then I'm going to go right, I'm going to dial in my calories because I have so many other problems in my nutrition. Sometimes I don't get the right sleep. Sometimes you don't get other things. But for me, if I dial in my calories first, then once I feel like I'm starting to hit that and then I add in the protein, that for me then lets the the food choices that I pick that fit in towards my calorie goal and my protein goal then kind of seem to balance out the fats and the and, and the carbohydrates, if that makes sense. So if anything, I'm the complete opposite. I kind of let the carbs fall where they are. I carb count the meal that's in front of me. and And that's kind of how I then control my diabetes. But eating less. And really kind of trying to dial in that protein for me. Skiing's not a massively, um, I don't quite know the right word to say. It's a very intense sport. But it's 15 minutes of exercise, essentially. It's a full-on hit workout. It's an attack in its six passes over 15, 15 minutes, 15 seconds of just pure. Your, they put a weight on a, on a rope. And I think I pulled 363 kilos, which is like 700 pounds. So I'm pulling 700 pounds with my body weight. Essentially, someone's getting a bar, dropping 700 pounds into my hands, and then I've got to catch it and keep my position and not just crumple to the ground. That's essentially what Solemn is. And we do that. There's six boys, six passes. So that's like 60 times someone's giving you bad math, sir. But that's, um, that's a lot of times that someone is dropping a weight in your hands and you've got to catch it. So it's not necessarily like going for a 10-mile run, but it's like deadlifting 20 times and going, right, that's me done for the day. So I found that... Upping my carbs, I didn't really need the energy as such, unless I'm doing a really big training day with lots of sets, lots of workouts, lots of running, working. But for purely my sport and my skiing, I found that the protein was by far the most important thing. If I if I was lacking on my protein, and I didn't believe it, I had the, there was a, um, a a good friend at the lake was really starting to get into a macros, and I'm like, honestly, you should. I was only looking at calories. You should start kind of looking into the protein. I was like, no, once I get the calories sorted, it'll I'll I'll look into it. But then I kind of forced myself to, OK, let's try hit 120, 140 grams of protein a day. I think I was at. And as soon as I started one tracking, I realized that I would go some days and I'd get like 40 grams of protein. I'm like, that's no wonder I'm a little bit sore. Um, and then once I started hitting those higher numbers, my um, my lack of DOMS and my lack of um, soreness the next day just was insanely noticeably less. My injuries, my niggles, I never really got as such injuries. But the niggles I get in my back and the ribs, like I say, it's intense. It's 700 pounds that you're pulling repetitively, kind of maybe two, three sets a day. The the niggles that kind of were popping up from that greatly, greatly got reduced by making sure I hit my protein goals. So, yes, this is a diabetic podcast. 
But for me, I like to think of I'm not that different. I just see the food that's in front of me. I have to go, okay, how many carbs are in that? Inject. Let's hope we get it right. And and then I kind of carry on my nutrition and my daily goals as a non-diabetic, just making sure that my levels are in the correct range and I correct for that, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I, I will tell you, yeah. Rob, um, you should host this podcast because you've been preaching the last five minutes about what we talk about all the time. And it's not just <laughs> diabetics, you. but just yeah. good eating routine in general. Yeah. And, yeah. and in some ways, you know, I discussed this with my twin brother, um, says mm-hmm. my nephew has type one diabetes. Yeah. In some ways, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way. So no, yeah, go in ahead. some ways, I will not be offended. Don't worry. Yeah. But in some ways, type one diabetics have a little bit of an unfair advantage because you guys check your glucoses. So you know what happens right away when you eat stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, the standard yeah. Americans, the standard diet that most Americans eat, most people don't know what happens to their glucose after they eat. Yeah. So it takes 10 yeah. or 12 years before those effects jump back on them. And then they have type yeah. 2 diabetes. Yeah, that's so, you know, and so, you know, in, in some ways, I, I wish that more people would, you know, check their glucose. And that's one thing we promote here. And I've even mm-hmm. de- put a, a continuous glucose monitor on myself before. And we'll talk about yours a little bit later. Yeah. Um, just to see wh- what happens when, when we eat, when we exercise, when we sleep, when we're stressed. And it's amazing. And I'm sure you know all that stuff. And, yeah, you know, you sound like you, you know, the 22 years. That, I, I imagine you've been dealing with diabetes for 12, no, 15 so- years. Yes, 12. So I was I, I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old. Yeah, so 10 yeah, years, basically. Yeah. No. That's pretty common. 10th um, anniversary. <laughs> yeah, right. So you you figure this out. And kudos to you for that, Rob. And I, and I know that you have maybe some doctors or pharmacists, nurses that have educated you. But ultimately, like with anything, anything that we have with our own health, we have to take charge of our own health. Yeah. Um, doctors can help. Pharmacists can help educate, but ultimately you're in charge of your own health. That's one thing we preach in this podcast is we like to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So thank you for doing that and educating us. And that's one, one thing I would, one thing I'd like to add on that as well is yes, obviously your, your blood sugars are, and this is in terms of diet and this is not even for, for what I've experienced as someone who, who loves food and has a, has had a hard time. And I was a big kid, had a really hard time losing weight and it's still something I struggle with now and getting, and again, I don't want to keep coming back to losing weight. I don't think that's healthy for a lot of people. But in terms of for me as an athlete, and I, the biggest priority for me is making sure that weight is at the right level. It's it's almost just keeping it simple. For me, like I said, I can try kind of do all the stuff that I want to do with my insulin timing and everything around that and making sure that I do all this right, right. But if I'm eating too much food or I'm eating... Just and even if it's um, just just too much in one meal, even like I'm getting super bloated, like I um, or if I'm eating just just some crazy kind of foods, obviously a McDonald's, a pizza, the biggest, biggest example I can give you. And it's just come to mind. uh, Papa John's pizza. If I have a Papa John's pizza and I think I kid you not, if this is um, this is the most perfect example of of something. So I have a Papa John's pizza, a a medium. I don't know what in America, a medium is probably the size of. My myself, but a, a normal size. <laughs> right, it's America, right? <laughs> a, no, a normal size pizza that that you would eat and finish. It's a treat. You've skied well. You've done whatever. It's a treat. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this pizza. I'm gonna be full, and I'm just gonna have a great time eating it. If I eat that, 
and I and I finish the meal full. So you eat a little bit, maybe more than I probably should, but that's life. I have to inject five minutes before. Then I will I will dip because of the amount of fat that's in the cheese um, is what I've been told. Um, I will dip down. I'm like, okay, timed it perfect. First time I did this, I freaked out on the dip and ate some gummies to like go back up. I was like, oh, I do not want to yeah, be low. Yeah. Like I was going to bed. And then, boom, it'll go. But then, so then I would inject again because I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to inject, and it will go down and it'll dip. And sometimes again, I like freak out because I'm, whoa, we're we're dipping hard, and it will go up again. And I'll have to inject a third time. And if I don't do that third injection, I could be going to bed dead level. I could be. Uh, the, we use different units in England versus America, but uh, eight units, say. Uh, sorry, eight. Um, is it millimole per deciliter? Something along those lines. Yeah, and I, I, I think yours would be seventy. I think yours is seventy. Oh, a good okay. range. Okay, that's about right. You're, you're you're going to bed. Yep. We're perfect. I've had this pizza. This was three, four hours ago. I'm talking. I've had this pizza, right? And I've gone I've gone up once to go down, to go up again, go down, manage, caught it perfectly level. If I don't go and inject a third time while I'm perfectly level, I will shoot absolutely through the roof and be near the highest readings that you probably have, probably 200, 300 by wow. two hours. And that's like just 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 the just that as a it's the best example because i think it it shows kind of how crazy it is but mm -hmm. i have to inject three times for that one pizza to be somewhat level and even then it's probably still going to be shooting up the next day um right, and right. and that to me was like wow and another example is we used to have you don't have them over here but lucas it's like a like a sugary gatorade right uh, that's that's fizzy in England, in school, they were amazing. They were what everyone wanted. It was like an energy drink, but it seemed cool to drink them. So loads of people would drink them. And I'd be here as a diabetic, right? And it's, if I would drink, I used that used to be what I would have when I was low, especially when I was in my honeymoon phase and I needed more to bring me up than I do now. I would drink these Lucozades. I'm like, these kids are drinking these Lucozades like two, three times a day. And I know what it does to my sugars. It just skyrockets them. And the amount that your body has to, and that's for me the simplest way to think about type 2 diabetes is the amount the of sugar that you have to kind of attack the amount that your body has to go wow we need to like work to pump this back down is just so straining so straining on your system and and for me the easiest way i've found to explain it is you get type 2 diabetes when your body just goes i'm just done I, i've done too much of this and that's 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 awesome you shared that because i agree and i kind of you know going back to what i was discussing about you know um we tax our we tax our systems when we don't know we're diet when we're not diabetic because um, yeah. we don't know what our well, glucose are doing but later on it catches up to yeah. us and I think yeah what you're doing when you're eating those sugary stuff or you're eating eating those pizzas which is not it's okay to do every once in a while yeah. oh let's, yeah let's just get that clear. Well, I do. as a diabetic I I have them right that. yeah and but in reality even if you're not diabetic you're taxing your pancreas to produce a whole bunch of insulin to lower that blood glucose and eventually your pancreas is going to be tired out and it's going to say, Just I can't do it anymore. No. So you either get insulin resistance yeah. or you don't produce as much insulin and then you get type two diabetes, which is, yeah. which is a, you know, it's, it's an epidemic in America, unfortunately. Oh, and it's well, largely due to what we eat and overeating. That's really, really the case. Yeah. 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 That, and that's the thing for me, uh, what, what you eat is, is great. But even when I really kind of, attacked the dieting hard um in covid year 2020 i really kind of i was i was a i was a little heavier than i wanted to be and i was like right i'm gonna really kind of dial in 
dial in where I want to go. I tracked everything religiously. I, I weighed every single thing that went in my yep. mouth. There was, you know how some people say, oh, tracking your calories doesn't work, but it's because they're missing half of it. Like every single thing that passed my teeth got tracked, whether it was a drink, whether it was oil, whether it was fat, whether it was just a treat, whether it was like you have like equivalents like a Hershey's kiss in, in, in America, like any tiny thing that went in, I tracked religiously mm-hmm. for, for, for kind of three months straight. And again, it was less of, of what I ate and making sure that if I found that I wasn't overfeeding my body. So if I, if I burnt 2000 calories, I ate 2000 calories, my sugars. And, and I started to do that consistently for say a week straight, I would notice the difference. My sugars just became so much easier to control. So yes, obviously the pizza is bad, bad word, bad, whatever. Essentially, in simple terms, it's not fantastic. It is is not the best choice. Um, But it was less so the fact that that that, but if all of a sudden I started equally feeding my body the right amount of food, not too much, not too little, um, but especially the not too much side, then my sugars just all of a sudden got noticeably so much easier to control. Obviously, the things help, but just the amount was the amount of calories straight up was made a big, big, big difference for me. Yeah, and if you for look sure. at a, a, it, it, and unfortunately, if you look at a Papa John's pizza, the right amount is what? Say you're having dinner, it's maybe 750 calories. That's three slices of pizza. That's not uh, at least. Uh, and that's on a. Actually, Rob, in America, that's two slices of pizza. Probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, consider no, no, 350 no, no, yeah. calories a slice. At, yeah. At, and, you know, and, so and, yeah. And that's the, where the issue is in, in, in your head, looking at that. Like, okay, I need to eat how much I need to eat as a human. That's way more than two slices of pizza. So it doesn't, <laughs> right. it doesn't. So that's then where the imbalances come in. But um, but that's what. But what for me? If you want to treat yourself, go go treat yourself. Go go absolutely smash it. But in the long term, it's it was how much I was eating, and really making sure that those those calories were were maintenance level for at sure. least, and that makes that makes my sugars a lot easier to control. So tell us, um, continuous glucose monitoring is a fairly new, um, yeah, there it is in the back of your arm. It's a fairly new, um, technology. I don't know. It's probably been around. You probably know more than I do. It's five years, maybe more. I would say to the the general public. Yeah. So this is the Lieberlink system. The, um, I'm trying to think of the, the official. Yeah. It's the, it's the. The Libra Freestyle Libra system. I have the yes. the, the Libra two on right now, um, and I believe when would I have first had it? Sorry, I should have. I, I'm just trying to think. I believe, yeah, I think you're right around five years. Twenty. I'm just. I usually work off tournaments and which worlds like it was, and and if I had it <laughs> at, at at that point, but um, I believe it was yeah, 2017, 2018 was when I first got it but essentially it comes in in two parts so you have the the i believe the sensor is in here and then you have this picks up the needle you put them together and you have to clean it i personally i know this i don't want to ruin your question before you've asked it but um they come off they they're meant to be on there for two weeks but it's on a this one it's on a movable part of your arm and the biggest thing i found which i think is quite a funny story when you first put it on you may have found it yourself I hit door frames all the time. So when I'm walking through a door frame, I didn't realize how close I walked. And I kid you not, every single time I would walk through a door frame in my house over here, um, a house that I've lived in since I was born, obviously kind of, I guess you have your lines of paths or the, the racing line as such through the door. And, and I literally would hit every single door frame when it walked past the sensor because it doesn't stick out much. But um, it, that was quite funny. So they, they get abused. They get hit. They get um, 
they get. So I use this. I don't know if, if anyone out there is diabetic. This is a, a really uh, good product. It's Kevlon um, no sting barrier film. Um, and that my mum found. Um, and it has been amazing. Amazing. And I can, the only time it really tends to come off now, I can work out, I can sweat. I, I spend a lot of time in Florida and it can last 14 days easy with that. Um, but is if I take a crash, if I take a tumble, uh, like if I hit the boy and take a slide or, or something quite forceful, really like swipes it off, that then it then it will come off. And there's nothing really you can do than that other than stick the big plasters over them that you can have. But um, yeah, I, it, with that, it was actually I had rashes when I first got it. It gave they gave me a little rash there, which mm-hmm. I think is very. I think like I looked online and two percent of people they'd done tests on it and two percent of people had rashes to it. But um, I think it was more to do with the fact that something's on your skin for 14 days, getting no air, no breath. Right. I think that no matter what they do, it's you're gonna. Some people are gonna be sensitive to that, especially if you have sensitive skin. And we originally got it to stop that, and we found that actually, if I spray it on, wait till it gets kind of uh, half dry, a little tacky. And then the glue bonds to that and then it sets and it's just a, an extra kind of bonding mechanism, I guess you could say. But um, but yeah, it's easy. It's easy to put on. It lasts 14 days and I have an app on my phone. It actually works in the same way that um, Apple Pay works. So it's an NF- NFC. I think it is NFC system. Uh, so the way that you would tap the, the card payment, you actually just tap there with the, I'm on my phone right now, so I can't show you. You tap the tap there with the top of your phone it pings and it tells you where you've been i believe for the last um eight hours if you haven't done a test in the most recent eight hours but as a diabetic you usually do unless it's overnight so it stores eight hours of knowledge in this and then on the on the phone it keeps uh, 24 and obviously gives you a load of um gives you a load of kind of statistics and values of your average it can it can work out your hba1c um so it's a really incredibly useful tool for a diabetic just to see and i think again i know you said uh, a lot of actually healthy uh, non-diabetics are using it now to kind of see see where you track but um like i say as a diabetic i don't think people quite understand that if i have five if i have one twizzler one single lone twizzler which is seven grams of carbs more than that eight probably grams of carbs nothing most people would just ah i'll have a twizzler thank you have that forget about it if I have that and do nothing to it, I'll go up. I'll go out of my range of, of healthy living, I guess you could say. And it would sit there for three, four hours before it comes back into the healthy range. So it's it's literally every single thing that goes in your mouth makes a massive, massive, massive difference to, to blood sugars. And it's obvious as a diabetic. And that's the biggest thing that this kind of shows you is that little bits of carbs make a big difference to a diabetic and may not be to see that and how they react. One thing I learned is oatmeal is kind of, uh, we call it like porridge, like overnight oats, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. is is notoriously known to be incredibly tough for diabetics because it's uh, it has a it has a really quick acting, but a really long. It's just a weird the way that the oats react, especially uh, if you get the uh, um, the instant oats. And I love overnight oats; they they sit well. I, I feel great when I have them. And I actually found that if I, I mix the half overnight oats with the half traditional oats, so the half um, quick oats, you know, the stuff that is soft and kind of pre-rolled and pre, I don't know what the hell they do to it, but it's softer with the traditional oats. That's kind of a more crunchy, chewy, not the best mm-hmm. in overnight oats if you have it straight up because it just tastes like you're chewing on sawdust. But if I actually mix the two, 
it's so much easier. If I just do instant oats, I have to inject 40 minutes before, which is an insane amount of time, especially when you wake up in the morning, to actually think that the insulin takes 40 minutes to get in there, be ready. And literally, as soon as the oats go in, it's just like a boom a straight up pump and actually just the little things like taking half the traditional oats and mixing them in kind of slows down that um that momentum and that little little tricks like that have made kind of it so much easier and if i was having a finger prick and i pricked my finger before i go okay sweet i'm 60 or 70 in the us measurement i'm going to inject and i'm going to test two hours later which realistically is quite a short testing window with the finger pricks like 12 12 a day and i know in in england with the NHS, um, we don't have to pay for them. But as an American, to be able to having to be paying for this and doing kind of 12, 20 tests a day must be kind of a, a, a tough thing to do. So say you're doing it every two hours, which again is quite consistent. I would have done this up, down, and I'd be level. But right. you've completely missed this move and you're only seeing these two moves. So that's where I found it really interesting that, that there's, no, there's no gaps. And in one way, it's actually tough because as a diabetic, and I know a lot of people really struggle with the mental side of it, the fact that it is always there. It is always there. It is one Twizzler is going to mess up your diabetes in terms of if you do nothing about it, it's going to make you go up. And I hate to say it like that, but it, it does. If you have two Twizzlers, one Twizzler, and you do nothing to inject about it, I know it seems simple, but the the amount of times as a non-diabetic that someone will offer you a piece of food and go, yeah, have that and have that. Right. And you don't even think about it. But the fact that there's a diabetic, every time someone else should have oh, that, oh, I've got to inject now, like, oh. Um, and that was really interesting to see that, because again, if you have that one twizzle that someone gave you and it, it, it spikes you up and it, it kind of pushes you, your, your body might exercise the heat, all that stuff still pushes you kind of back down over time. It kind of has pushed me back down. I'm not that high anymore, but you've missed the 30 minutes after what someone gave you and you don't realize quite how high the little things can spike you before they come back down especially yeah um, you, you gotta be you super careful lifestyle. yeah yeah and it's, it's it's less so careful but more just been on it you just and that's where a lot of people struggle with the mental side of it i think it's a side that a lot of people don't talk about enough is that it's um i don't want to sound all millennial here but it's incredibly stressful like you have to if you want to make your levels absolutely perfect which i think is almost impossible if you want to have so if i set my range to um again i'm sorry i don't know the american translation but i assume it would be kind of the bottom of the range so four is ideal in 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 my um, millimoles so i want to be from four to ten and ten is a little bit higher than ideal but to be in that range if you want to stay 100 percent in that range you have to just every single moment of that day be on it be looking be checking you have to be you have to know exactly what you're going to eat in 30 minutes for your lunch you have to be injecting previously right. before it so you catch that spike absolutely spot on so every single moment of your day you have to be thinking about what you're going to do an hour ahead an hour ahead an hour ahead and keeping on top of that making sure you're thinking of what you did two days ago how much exercise did you do just little things like uh, i i flew back home to england i spent six days there We'll, we'll say tasted the kind of reminded myself with the English cuisine. So maybe was eating a little more than I should have done. And, and like we talked about earlier, overeating makes it tougher. Um, and then I, I came to I went to Sacramento and was staying with a family there and they were kind of showing me around and I was trying to kind of keep control of what I was eating. But um, but it was kind of I was kind of tasting things there and I come back to Chico 
and that every single three steps I was okay my blood sugars were good but then I come back to, to Chico and kind of I'm almost calling this my training camp and started eating some normal foods and what I had to inject probably dropped by probably at least half if not half again and that kind of out of almost what felt like nowhere like I didn't think I was eating that badly especially in Sacramento training skiing gymming working out full-on days training and then I come here and do the same thing. I'm just eating a little more sensible foods without, if you don't really notice it, maybe it got a little colder, boom, the blood sugars completely go. I'm low all the time. I'm low like three times a day, hyperglycemic three times a day. And it's like, whoa, like I, I didn't expect that big of a difference. So you've got to think about what you did two days ago and the next day. And it's just the constant mental, mental strain, which is something a lot of diabetics don't talk about. But I think because they don't, a diabetic can sometimes feel alone in the fact that I'm finding this a little bit tricky. Like I, why, why is that no one else is? So why should I be doing that? So it's almost, it's nice to, to see with the social media, people talking about that and saying, man, this is tough. Cause it's easy to go. This is tough. If I don't prick my arm and, and uh, sorry, test my arm and I eat a Twizzler, I don't feel bad. I can go up to 20 unit. I can go up to 20 millimoles, which is like 200 and I can come back down. Uh, and let it kind of happen and eat the food and, and almost in my head kind of put it off and forget about it because I'm having a hard time dealing with all this and I can feel fine. But that's the toughest thing about diabetes. I can feel okay, but I know in, in 10 years time, I'm, my foot's going to fall off. And then that's right. not even a joke. That's serious. Like, yeah. so, Or you're going to lose your eyesight. You're going to lose your kidneys. Yeah. That's why it's but, so important to monitor your glucose. Yeah. Oh, 100%, but it's so easy. As, and that's everyone knows that and everyone says that. And I, I know that. It's like people who are smoking know that it's an awful, awful right. for them. But sometimes it's like I'm just having a hard time kind of like dealing with these sugars right now. They are not doing what I want to do. They are not going where I want to go. I'm working on it. I'm injecting. I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat. I'm putting this stuff right. And sometimes your sugars will just be and doing exactly what you're like. Why are you doing this? Uh, and and that and that is honestly it, that's how it works. And I I started trying to started trying to follow a lot more pe diabetics on social media and people that were kind of quite big in this space. And that really helped me kind of deal with all all that side of it. I don't want to get too deep into that, but just seeing that other people were like some of the people that had the best levels were like some days you wake up and you I have the same meal. I would have the same oats at the same time with the same amount of carbs, the same amount of fats, and it would do the completely different thing to what it did yesterday. And sometimes, like, but it's good to know that other people struggle with that. And that's what, yeah. and that's where the CGM can be great because it knows exactly where you're going, but it's also a lot. It, it shows you exactly the mistakes that you're making. And sometimes it's like, it's like a, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're rubbish. What are your bloods doing? What are your bloods doing? Um, and that, and that can be a side of it. A lot of people don't, don't talk about, but um, it, that can, that's the one side that can make it a little bit trickier. If that makes sense. For, for sure. And, and there, yeah. and, and then that just adds a little bit more stress in your yeah. in your life yeah. when you have all yeah. those sugars going up and down, and then that and you, and you just see everything compounds the blood the blood glucose. Yeah, I mean, it makes much. your glucose go up when you get stressed. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, pretty much. But that's uh, but it's it has been probably like I don't want to make it sound like, but it's been one of the most valuable things that I've ever had as a diabetic to be able to see to see that and use it, and and when it's going well, you can it, you can see exactly where you're going, exactly what the food does to you. And that's one of the one of the greatest things about it. You can learn so much from it if you're if you're willing to kind of put that time into it. Well, and obviously, Rob, you have definitely been willing to put the time in. And well, yeah, you know, you're I mean, an, you know, 
you're an inspiration and you know that's one of the reasons i wanted to have you on our podcast is just to get the word out that um you know you guys are in the same boat and yeah you know um type 1 diabetes can be conquered you just yeah. have to work 100 you know and all you guys do have a lot of the same struggles you know as far as you know stressing about the blood sugars and long-term complications and all that yeah. so I appreciate yeah. you being on today and I am Thank sharing you. your Instagram right now. And I hope that, Thank you. yeah, I hope that anybody that is watching can, can share, can uh, follow you. Um, and not just because you're diabetic, but you're a really, really awesome skier. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and you. I really Thank like watching your, your short videos. That's for sure. It's, uh, Thank you. it's amazing to watch it. I think they're like, you know, when you go through a pass, you probably know exactly, but it's it's like seven seconds, isn't it? Probably. Oh, it's sixteen seconds. A full six boys is at, at my speed is six sixteen point oh eight seconds. Okay, um, and so it's it's quick. Yeah, and you're like you say, it's it's an anaerobic sport. I I I, I picked up barefoot water skiing. I I grew up solid water skiing, but I picked up barefoot water skiing a few years ago. And I'm an endurance mountain bike racer. Yeah. And my the coach that I used out in Florida, Lane Lane Bowers, you might have heard of him. No, um, no. Yeah, he was in the X I Games think I and the, the name. world. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. yeah. World class, world class barefooter. Yeah. And and coach now, and mm -hmm. um, he said, look water skiing specifically barefoot water skiing it's not an endurance sport it's a sprint <laughs> yeah it, it's and, a sprint it's a sprint right, for sure time. so i'm sure after that 16 seconds you are breathing really really oh, hard god yeah yeah and that's the and, and like i say this is actually the, the best example is and um and i think this system was one of the best it was a really really cool cool thing that they put and you could see the load that came on the rope someone i think the the record that that's been pulled on it i think was a thousand a thousand pounds so that's a thousand pounds again literally you finish the turn with nothing right. there is no pull on the rope and in the obviously there's six boys 16 seconds divided by six you've got like what two and a half seconds between boys in that time to the first wake you're picking up a thousand pounds some people do. I pick up about 700, 800 pounds. Wow. I think if my maths are somewhat, somewhat good, I'm not too good with the pounds. Um, but in that, in that second of time, you're going from zero to 700 to a thousand pounds back to zero again. And then you're doing that six times in that pass. So, so the, there's some, and obviously that's the high level. I don't want to disencourage anyone from the sport because you think that's obviously it, that, that, the highest right. level in the sport is such. <laughs> there's way less than that at the start don't worry you don't have to be able to pick up a thousand but i can't deadlift uh 400 pounds i have to be light i have to be i have to be mobile so that's where the kind of the crazy technique comes in and the and been really kind of uh dialed in on that but it's a lot it's a lot for your body it's a it's a lot for for you to be able to deal with so um it yeah it's hard work <laughs> it's hard work yeah so yeah for sure it's, it's a good it's workout fun watching you so yeah well thank you for being on today rob i oh, thank you for having um, me i'm gonna keep following you on social media and keep watching you ski and i wish you the best for this season um thank sounds you. like you're getting prepared right now as 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 we talk so um yeah, i'm super excited for is, you first time is may 1st so they the that's a, two weeks yeah right? two weeks there's um it'll all be webcast it's all on it's all on youtube so if you follow me on uh, social medias um we'll we'll keep up to date and the the sport is really kind of starting to see a resurgence like i say there's a tournament every single weekend until i think there's two weekends off till september and then it's back on again so it's like 
there's so many tournaments this year. Um, I'm going to try keep as much of it um, up to date on my YouTube and my socials and all the all that stuff. Um, so if you're awesome. interested in kind of following along, I, I try kind of show a very honest approach to it all. So um, if you're interested, follow along and we can do the journey together, as they say. Awesome. I'm going to be following you. And I thank you for being on today. You've definitely realized our goal of educating and empowering individuals to take charge of their own health. Awesome. So I so appreciate it, Rob. So thank, thank you for you. being on. And thank you, listening listeners and viewers, for, for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Tune in tomorrow. Um, health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.